0: This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-Inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 94-inch. On this week's episode,
1: we interview Ryan Barna, a Grammy-nominated writer and sound historian who recorded Weird Al on Edison Wax Cylinder for the very first time.
2: It's David
3: Ethan's 2,000-Inch Weird Al
2: it's a podcast about Weird Al. Dave
3: and Ethan's inch Weird
2: Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. Dave and
3: inch Weird Al podcast. You don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Dave and Ethan's inch Weird Al
1: podcast. Welcome to another pretty stinking majestic episode of Dave Nathan's Two Thousand Inch Weird Al Podcast.
0: You can say that again, but please don't. It's it's just not necessary.
1: Okay, sure. So how great was it hearing about Richard Bennett's incredible
0: career for the past two weeks? It was so great. And you know what else is great, Dave? All the cool stuff I've received in the mail. Oh, you too? Well, let's start with you. What did you get? So I don't know if the listeners realize this, but Dave, you and I not only collect Weird Al stuff, we also collect Jim West stuff, Bermuda Schwartz stuff, Ruben Valtier stuff, and Stephen Jay stuff, and... I just got some really cool CDs that Jim Kimo West performed on. Oh, cool. So which ones did you pick up? So I actually received three different CDs in the mail that feature Jim Kimo West. The first one is Deep by Adam Werner and Blue's Gonna Getcha by Williams and Welsh. But the third one is the one that really impressed me the most. So the singer's name is Marina V. And not only is she just a fantastic singer and musician, but she really went above and beyond with this CD I bought from her. So she emailed me thanking me for buying the CD, and and she was asking me questions. I let her know I was a fan of chemo, and she had a lot of really nice things to say about him. So when the CD arrived, not only did she sign and number the CD, she also wrote my name on it in Russian, which, you know, she's from Russia. And so she also put in, like, a signed flyer. She also put in a postcard featuring a photo that she took of this building in Russia near where she grew up and wrote a personal note on the back of that. So really just went above and beyond and made it such a fun experience to receive that in the mail. So I just wanted to give a plug and, and recommend her music to both you Dave and to our listeners. So her brand new CD just came out last year. It's called In V Minor. And the track that Jim is on is the first track on the album. It's called Cold, Cold Winter, which makes sense if she's from Russia. And uh, (laughs) you can check out her website at marinav.com. That's so cool.
1: I'm definitely going to check that out.
0: Yeah. And what's really exciting is she's also doing some live online concerts. She's got her own Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash music. And, you know, we're still emailing back and forth a little bit. She's so friendly. She let me know that she plans to have Jim on one of her live shows once the pandemic dies down. So that'll be really cool to watch for. And once we know that's happening, we'll definitely let you guys know on the podcast.
1: It sounds like we're going to have a road trip out to Siberia one of these days.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So,
1: Dave, what kind of stuff have you gotten in the mail? All right. Well, before I tell you what I got, Ethan, I got to give you a little backstory. Back in the 1980s, this was before you were born, it was all the rage for everybody to be wearing these jeans jackets that they decorated with patches from their favorite bands, and they had their pins and everything, you know, Michael Jackson, Madonna, Megadeth, Metallica, whoever it was, (laughs) it was on your jeans jacket if you were a fan of that band, and, you know, basically whoever had the most patches and the most pins had the coolest jacket, well, for years and years, I would go to the mall and try to find a pin that had anything to do with Weird Al on it. You know, the closest I ever came was maybe Michael Jackson or Madonna, but there never was a Weird Al pin that I could find that was sold at the mall.
0: Right. Well, I'm sure you had, you know, the other Weird Al pins that were like official merchandise. It Sounds like you just wanted to find something at the mall to fit in with all the other ones that were sold at the mall.
1: Yeah, I know there were a few that were released. There was that Dare to be Stupid pin, and then there was a King of Suede pin, and later on a Headline News pin, and a Alapalooza pin. But there was never that one pin that you found out in the wild. Those, I think, were all sold through close personal friends of Al or at the concerts. There never was that one pin you found out in the wild at the mall. A little while ago, I was looking through eBay and I found this lot of vintage 1980s pins and mixed in with that lot was an actual Like a Surgeon album cover pin. Whoa, I've never heard of that before. I don't think it's an official pin, but it's pretty stinking majestic. Nice. I mean, it, is, <laughs> it is really nice. I got it the other day and, I, of course, the, the The lot arrives. I open up the cardboard box. It's just filled with pins of 1980s music stars. Madonna, Cheap Trick uh, is in there. Michael Jackson. There's a whole bunch of boy bands and people I don't even recognize. But I'm finally ripped through. I find the pin and it is even better than I imagined. It is clearly a vintage 1980s pin. It was exactly what I would have been looking for as a child in the mall.
0: Well, if you ever find a time machine, I think that would be a good excuse To use it, go back in time and let your younger self know that one day, one day, your dream will come true. (laughs) I feel like my childhood is now finally complete. I have
1: finally found (laughs) the Weird Al pin that I've been looking for after all these years. Now, all I need to do is find myself a jeans jacket to put it on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure you can find some vintage jeans jackets on eBay.
1: Well, it sounds like we both got some really great stuff this week. Let's move on to the Weird
0: Al news. Yes, so our good friend and Patreon supporter Summer Woods is at it again. She just released a brand new Weird Al related video. You will
1: remember Summer from those amazing piano medleys of Weird Al's original
0: songs, as well as her bossa nova rendition of our theme song. Now, her latest song just premiered on Valentine's Day, and appropriately enough, it's a medley of Weird Al's love songs performed on ukulele and sung by Summer. It is so pretty stinking majestic and so well
1: done. And a really funny thing about it is that Summer dresses up as
0: Fred Huggins
1: from the Weird Al show for
0: her video. So there's 14 Weird Al love songs in the medley. Everything from Good Enough for Now to Do I Creep You Out. And I loved that one of my favorite songs, If That Isn't Love, got some love in the song as well. (laughs) Yeah, all those songs are really great, and she
1: even manages to start and end the medley with the Fred Huggins classic,
0: I Like You, as heard on The Weird Al Show. Now, we really love all of Summer's great music, so to check out the medley and all of her videos, head over to youtube.com user slash Cosmic Spaz. You can find her on Instagram at Summerwoods Music, and check out her Patreon, patreon.com Summerwoods.
1: Men'sHealth.com just released an article with a snippet from a new book, Rock Stars on the Record, the albums that changed their lives,
0: featuring an interview with Weird Al. Now, in the interview, Al mentions that after listening to Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album over and over and over again, he was eventually able to figure out all the chords, write them down and play every song on the album by ear on his accordion. Al also
1: mentioned that he'd often entertain and annoy people in his freshman dorm at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo by playing Elton John's Funeral for a
0: Friend on his accordion. Uh, I would love to hear that. Now, I'd have to bet that our guest on episode 100-inch, Joel Miller, Al's college friend, was probably around to hear him play that song once or twice. Now, the question is, was Joel one of the ones entertained or one of the ones annoyed? Well, I guess we'll find out
1: once we hit episode 100-inch.
0: Did you hear that? I sure did. You know what that means. That means we've got a message on the 347 Spatula Hotline, the official hotline of Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast, which is sponsored by Angel Vale as well and David Cash, to amazing Weird Al fans and podcast supporters. Thanks for sponsoring our hotline. Let's take a listen.
2: Hey, Dave and Ethan, it's your Al pal and loyal listener, Dana B. in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's February 14th, and I just wanted to wish you both a happy Valentine's Day. That's right. Last year, I declared that February 14th, henceforth, be known as Valentine's Day, a day for self-love, self-care, and of course, honoring our pal, Owl. Celebratory traditions include listening to Owl's music, watching OWL-related footage, including but not limited to UHF, Alpocalypse Live, the Ultimate Video Collection, Touring with Scissors Live, the Complete OWL, Al, Al's YouTube channel, and whatever else you may have in your vast collections, and indulging in your favorite foods. For me, that means sushi, but someday I hope to celebrate with one of those highly coveted two-pound double-wrapped-in-the-quesadilla burrito burritos from your favorite vegan Mexican restaurant. So for me to you, happy Valentine's Day. Will you be my Valentine? Of course,
0: Dana, of course. We are both honored to be your Valentine. Thank you so much for that call.
1: Dana, what a great idea. For us, of course, every day is Valentine's Day,
0: but it would really be nice to put it on the calendar as an official holiday. Yeah, luckily February 14th is completely open, so I think we should add it. <laughs> Well, that noise means there's another message
1: on the 347 Spatula Hotline.
2: All right, Frank, hit play. Hi guys, this is Jackson Slogans from Episode 69, Time Traveler Extraordinaire. I'm just calling to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Mexican Restaurant Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrap to the quesadilla Burrito Burrito. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito. Find them at burritosquare.com and at burritosquare on Instagram. And remember, not every burrito is a Burrito Burrito, but every Burrito 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 can be Burrito Burritoed. Have a good
1: one, guys. Well played, Jackson. We see what you did there. So at the moment, we have three sponsors on the podcast. And with just one phone call and your continued support of Discover Darwin, you managed to insert yourself into every sponsorship for this particular episode.
0: Well, speaking of that, this week's episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota beautiful, it's also foul. Darwin, Minnesota is home to Darwin, Turkey. There's a turkey named Darwin? Well, I don't know. Isn't that what you just said? No, I said Darwin, Minnesota is home to Darwin, Turkey. So that means there's a turkey named Darwin that lives in Darwin, Minnesota? Oh, I get it now.
1: While there may, in fact, be a turkey named Darwin in Darwin, Minnesota, what I'm talking about is the farm in Darwin named Darwin Turkey. Why don't you just
0: call it Darwin Turkey Farm? Because it's called Darwin Turkey, not Darwin Turkey Farm. Well, what do they do at Darwin Turkey? They farm. Well, what do they farm? Turkeys? Yeah, I guess. So visit Darwin, Minnesota
1: on your next expedition. Discover Darwin more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure
0: to visit DiscoverDarwin.biz. Well, Dave, as you know, we just celebrated the 40th anniversary of the release of the Placebo EP earlier this month. Now, when we were talking about Mr. Frump and the Iron Lung, I couldn't help but think about how that song was once recorded in a very special way.
1: Ethan and I are really thrilled to have our next guest on. His name is Ryan Barna, and he's a historian on pre-microphone recording, especially the Edison wax cylinder. And get this, he actually recorded back in 2018 on the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity Tour. He recorded Weird Al Yankovic's very first wax cylinder recording. So Ryan, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to hear all about you
3: recording With Weird Al. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure for me to be here.
0: Now, I guess before we dive into the recording with Weird Al, I would love it if you could tell us a little bit about this technology that you're an expert in and and how you got started.
3: Well, I actually got an interest in this stuff when I was a teenager, which was actually uh, quite a few years ago. Um, I've been into LPs and 45s, and then I just got fascinated with the earlier technology. It's like, how early can I get this stuff? Uh, and for my fifteenth, <laughs> yeah. So for my fifteenth birthday, my parents bought me a Victrola, and that's also an old acoustic machine that, uh, uh, which you wind the spring up and it plays without any electricity. And then uh, after that, it kind of just eventually snowballed into cylinders and the cylinder technology. Well, a, a few years ago, I actually bought my first cylinder recorder. Uh, it's a little device that you put uh, into. Uh, the reproducing arm of an Edison phonograph cylinder. And back in the old days, people at home could actually make their own records. It's actually a strong emphasis the Edison company advertised. Like, look, you can't do this with ordinary disc records. It's with Edison Mm. that you could uh, make your own records at home with. And that was a very strong selling advantage of them. So I got my first uh, Edison recorder here. Uh, And then after I... Tested it out. Uh, I needed some. I, I wanted to go a little bit further. I needed some talent. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I wanted to try and get some talent. So what I did was I looked, checked through some local listings for some um, talent in any way who could, you know, be uh, willing to volunteer to try it out. Um, oddly, most didn't answer. A couple said, "Well, no, we really can't do it at this time." Uh, and then I got one or two local performers to try it out and it was interesting i tested it with a symphony orchestra i tested it uh with another musician outside of philadelphia who actually plays the theremin uh and then oh wow yeah uh and then i decided to take it a step further i checked the tours of certain people who would be coming through the area that i lived in which is allentown bethlehem and sometimes around the vicinity like in philly or new jersey I figured I wonder yeah. if I can get any of these guys to, you know, record for me. So it's kind of just like one thing led to another. Yeah. <laughs> so you're probably wondering how I actually um, managed to uh, score Al in this uh, in this little experiment that I was doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, I was friends with Dr. Demento for a number of years. I loved the very early comedy stuff, and of course he too, so we actually had a common interest and so i brought the idea up to him and say hey uh now that al is going on tour would it be would it be possible if i brought my little edison phonograph machine here and have him do a little cylinder recording for me uh he said it's possible and he gave me he got me in touch with his manager and uh i wrote to his manager asking hey can we do this uh he's like sure uh just let us know uh, when we get closer to the dates and, uh, we'll see what we can do. So, uh, the closest th- that he came to me was in Atlantic city. So we, I drove for about two hours down to Atlantic city and I set up my little, uh, phonograph machine there and, uh, his manager, uh, let me in. Uh, and I was actually interested in finding out that his manager, Went went through. I think it was a family's old box of things, and they actually happened to find find old Edison photograph uh, cylinder boxes uh, somewhere in their storage. I was quite surprised to learn that. Wow, wow. <laughs> so yeah, this stuff kind of got around in the old days. I mean, a lot of the old Edison cylinders uh, were among the cheapest records on the market they were a little bit less expensive than disc records so this stuff actually spread around quite a bit in the first decade of the 20th century.
1: Before we get any further can you tell us just exactly what a wax cylinder is? I'm just picturing a giant slab of wax and I'm sure it's not just that.
3: <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole bunch of mixtures but the, uh, the chief ingredient in the manufacture of old uh, wax cylinder records is stearic acid. That's a key ingredient, as as what the composition is, because in those days, when if you want to make your own records, you had to find some kind of material that was hard enough for playback to not be damaged, but it also had to be soft enough so that you when you run your cutter through, it'll cut nice and cleanly. So it was kind of you know a mixture of that, and the thing that is right. so fascinating about When it comes to acoustic recordings, this is what uh, it's primarily called. It's acoustic recording. It captures the raw sound waves as they are being emitted, and it will reproduce the diaphragm physically. It captures the raw sound waves physically, and it's able to cut directly into a record as, you know, is is I, I think of it as being a little bit more authentic than an actual uh electrical recording or something that is done with a microphone and that's what's so unique about it
1: oh wow hmm. so is it actually like like carving something into i guess uh, some wax or something i'm pi- trying to picture it like uh, looking at like a piece of vinyl, like an LP or a 45, you know, you can see the grooves on it, you know, and you know that when the needle touches those grooves, it, it, you know, produces the sound that you're trying to get. So I'm trying to understand, you know, just exactly what one looks like and how the sound is stored on it.
3: It's very similar to the way a 45 or an LP looks. Uh, the thing is, it's, it's a rather soft wax cylinder. You, what you have to do is you have to heat it up first because you got to get that wax soft enough in order to get your stylus uh, to be able to cut through the surface. And it comes out much more clearer and cleaner when it's done that way. So what you have to do is you have to spend maybe about at least maybe anywhere between 10 or even 15 minutes heating the cylinder up under a light bulb. And that kind of gets the, the cylinder to be soft enough. You don't want it so it doesn't actually melt, but the, the surface will get soft. So when it gets warm enough, then you put it on the the cylinder mandrel, which holds uh, the cylinder and turns it around. Uh, And then, of course, I keep my little light bulb on top of it so that the wax on it will stay warm so that the stylus will cut into it. And this little reproducer that fits uh, uh, inside of uh, the uh, little reproducer arm of the phonograph, you put that in there. And the stylus, it's a a sapphire stylus, and it's kind of cupped. Like, there's a really sharp edge to it. And it kind of goes in the opposite direction of the cylinder is turning, so it'll slice right in there. And it's got like a diaphragm, and it'll start vibrating, and it'll start cutting the grooves right there on the record. Wow, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) How big is a cylinder? Is it like a, a can of soda, or... How would you describe that? It's a little shorter than a a soda can.
3: A little bit smaller, but it's not
0: that much smaller. I have to assume, you know, getting a blank wax cylinder to record is not as simple as running up to Walmart. How do you get one to record into?
3: Well, there's a couple people out there that make brand new ones. But in this case, what I did was I used uh, an old used one, an, an actual early one. And an early authentic cylinder that I used to record Al on. Uh, there's a guy out in New Jersey who shaves down old moldy cylinders, and we use them as new blanks. What happens? Oh, cool. Yeah. What happens, unfortunately, to many of these very early brown wax cylinders, the very early brown wax, is that mold gets trapped into them. And some cases it's minor, but in a number of cases the mold just completely covers the cylinder. It's it's kind of like a whitish color, and it eats uh, okay. deeply into the grooves. And if you actually tried playing any of them, it's like nothing at all. You can't get any sound out of it. Um, there's they say there's ways to retrieve sound out of it through like uh, digital imaging, um, but even with some of these. Cases like some of these examples. I mean, the grooves are just so rough and distorted; they're they're almost gone. There's no audio left. So, what what he does is he uses an old Ediphone uh, cylinder shaver. They they used them like office dictation equipment. They would shave down the cylinder if they wanted to erase it and start all over again. So, what you do is you, you put it on the office dictation device, and it shaves down the surface getting rid of all the mold now the unfortunate thing is you also erase the original recording but it erases all the mold and you can reuse it as a new cylinder blank and so that's what I did I bought some blanks from this person who shaves them down uh, lives next door in New Jersey and I actually used an original probably 1890s or very early 1900s brown wax cylinder recording them on authentic wow i have no idea what was on the original cylinder i mean it was shaved before i even acquired it but in this case it was <laughs> special because i actually have weird al you know his voice and Weird Al actually performing on authentic uh, 18, circa 1890s wax cylinder
0: <laughs> now is there a way for you to prevent mold in the future is there you know new technology for storage that you're able to keep this
3: precious item well just proper storage the key is to keep it out of uh, a particularly humid environment any place that might be hot or maybe like in a in a damp basement i see a lot of wax cylinders out here in pennsylvania i pull them out and the mold has just eaten away at them but because they were also stored in attics and uh, a lot of basements around here there's a couple, there, there's some excellent examples that survive, but a lot of the things I find nowadays are just completely covered in mold just because they weren't stored properly. Oh, wow. I, I've got Al's cylinder and safety. There's no humid around here, it's in a climate controlled <laughs> environment. That's about all you need. Oh, okay. <laughs> good.
1: All right, so so now you have this, this shaved down um, blank, and you take it to Atlantic City, and you're ready to have Al record on it. Can you walk us through just that day, what, what it was like uh, recording? You mentioned that your manager let you in, and then what happened next?
3: Um, they told me to set up uh, right where the speaker was. One thing that I really want to do, and I hope Al would let me do this next time, is to have him record directly into the horn. Um, but I, at the time I felt, you know, this is the, this is a huge opportunity for me. So I decided, you know, I will go ahead and I'll set up to speaker this time. So I set up to the speaker and, um, I get, I start heating the cylinder up. Um, and, uh, he comes up to me, uh, he's on stage, he's on stage and he's rehearsing with his band. And one impression I got Knowing how Al is, you would think that if you went to one of his rehearsals, they would always be goofing around or you know cracking jokes and uh, you know basically just being being all silly. silly. But to my surprise, um, no, Al, Al was actually very serious. He was going over his show. He was going through the song and uh, he was going through every minor detail and. Like, wait, can we, can we play that again? So try, try adjusting it this way. No, he was, he was actually very serious, and he was very focused on his work. Uh, that's one uh, surprising, surprising thing that uh, came to my mind, thinking, well, maybe, maybe he's not as silly, silly as we think he is, but he's also very, very smart. I will tell you that. Yeah. Oh, so sure. he comes up to me just before we start recording. He shakes my hand. He says, hi, I'm Al. And I just couldn't believe it. I recognized him, you know, <laughs> the kind of uh, frizzly hair. He, ha- he was wearing a hat. And uh, no, I sh- just shook his hand and, and asked, and he asked, uh, are we ready? Can we get started? Uh, and he said he was going to do Mr. Frump in the Iron Lung. And I knew, that, I knew that song long ago. I mean, I've been listening to Weird Al since I was 12. So I, I, that was from his first <laughs> album. Of course, I knew that song. He did the trick with his accordion where he imitates the iron lung. Right. (laughs) So uh, I start the cylinder off with the announcement because back in those days, you used to announce on the cylinder um, because the very early brown wax cylinders, they sometimes came with slips, paper slips you would insert them with and lids. But there was really no way you could write directly onto uh, a live recording made on brown wax. So oftentimes they would have announcement announcing what the selection was. This way, you know, okay. this way, you, you know, you don't confuse your Hearts and Flowers song with some kind of a, a naughty pornographic selection that they occasionally made <laughs> privately in those days. It's true. It's true. They did. Um, okay. So, so I announce, I announce on the cylinder, uh, you know, Mr. Frump in the Iron Lung played by Weird Al Yankovic. So I announce uh, the recording right there. And uh, we started playing. And believe it or not, we actually got a fairly good recording uh, of that number. There are a couple of flaws that um, did entail. First, it turned out the stylus that I was using on uh, my recorder had a little bit of a blunt edge to it. So it gives the floor of this uh, cylinder grooves a little more of a surface noise than I would like to. And because the, the tones of when he does the imitation on his accordion... Um, we we're, were so we're so soft they didn't exactly reproduce all that you know, all that strongly um, and then uh, uh, his manager came up and and mentioned you know Al has to you know remain on schedule and we have to go as, as much as I would have liked to do another take of it we just uh, uh, didn't have time but it was a very unique yeah. opportunity for me in many ways I got to have one unique recording of uh, where al that apparently that that nobody else owns nobody else owns i got to see a private performance i uh, got to meet him i got his autograph i got my picture taken and i even got <laughs> on his twitter feed for a day so i mean honestly i don't know what i did to deserve all that but it was an absolutely thrilling and amazing experience and al is such a great guy you know i can't emphasize that enough uh i i would like to meet him again someday um And we can discuss a little bit about that uh, in just a bit. (laughs) Wow. That's, I mean, that just
0: sounds incredible. (laughs) I'm curious, how long can your recording be? You know, what is the maximum length for a wax cylinder?
3: Well, for a wax cylinder, it depends. In my case, the maximum I can get onto um, a regular two-minute cylinder would be uh, two minutes and 15 seconds. And that's just with a common recorder because it's carried um, by a feed screw. The reproducer, it's not a floating, it's not like a floating reproducer where it floats freely. It's actually carried by a feed screw. And that screw is about 100 threads to the inch. And that helps carry it along. And that you can get about two minutes and 15 seconds on a very common recorder like that. Now they made very rare. They made later on. They made very rare, uh, rare four-minute recorders. They made four-minute wow. recorders, and you can actually record wow. up to maybe four minutes and uh, fifteen seconds or so. And that one is. It, it's a. It's, it's a smaller God. recording stylus, and it's a. Uh, the feed screw is about uh, two hundred threads to the inch, which actually makes it a longer record. But they're very rare. And I thought, you know, he probably doesn't want to do something like four minutes. But plus, I didn't have one at the time. Um, and right. I I decided, well, well, we'll try it with a two-minute. Do you have a two-minute selection? Because we'll just make it short and sweet. Right. Mr. Frump in the Iron Lung happens to be one of his shortest songs, so we decided to do that
0: one. And it also has, you know, a, a very classic feel with, with the, you know, very prominent accordion in it. So I think it was a really great choice for multiple reasons. mm mm-hmm. um, now, Ryan, you, you actually brought us a recording of the recording, <laughs> a, a digital recording of the Wax Cylinder recording, uh, and I would love to play a clip of that right now. So let's take a listen to uh, a selection from your recording on Wax Cylinder of Mr. Frump in the Iron Lung. Mr.
3: Frump in the Iron Lung, explain to you a little bit about the, that recording as you can see it's a it is a little bit scratchy and i've actually never publicly released it and in fact in this program you're probably going to be the very first ones to actually um, have the public listen to some of it um, there's a couple of reasons wow. why i have not released it um, first i i wanted to try again because i i figured i can get a better recording of it I actually have a a hotter light bulb. It's a carbon bulb. It's one one that was made in the early 50s, and they used to use them out on Coney Island, and it would burn really, really hot. In fact, it's so hot, you can actually see the bulb smoking. You have to be careful with it, though, but I can actually get... I I have a hotter bulb. I can make the wax a little bit... I I, I can make it a little bit softer, and I have a second recorder now that's got a nice, fresh cutting stylus on it, and it actually... And the few tests I made with it, it actually comes out a lot uh, smoother and cleaner, and with very with not as much surface noise. And I wanted to do it again. Um, I, did, I didn't release that because I fo- I figured I I could I want to try again. I want to try getting a yeah. better recording, and we can dem- and I could use that one to demonstrate you know the improvements I've made with my little experiment. Uh, sort of recording here i know a couple of those fans were interested in hearing what it was and what selection it was or at, at least at the very minimum what it sounded like but overall it's still yeah. you know i'm I, i'm i'm my own strongest critic here i i think i could have gotten an, i i think i could have gotten an improvement on and i didn't want to release it until i actually had something a little bit better it is actually pretty noisy speaking as one of those fans who has wanted to hear it
0: it really sounds incredible and I mean I guess hearing the noise and hearing the imperfections is kind of part of the fun of it because we can hear Mr. Frump the iron lung anytime but actually hearing it being reproduced on a wax
3: cylinder that is just absolutely incredible. It's a constant learning process especially in the art of acoustic cylinder recording because there's several things you got to keep in mind. Yeah, keep in mind the temperature of the cylinder and how soft it gets. It also depends on your recording stylus. It depends on the smoothness of the spring motor that is inside of uh, the case of the Edison phonograph. Uh, Distance from the horn is also a major factor. Loudness and clarity is also a major factor. I mean, there's all kinds of things that go into the art of acoustic recording because everything from um, the stylus all the way to the way that uh, the mica diaphragm is glued onto uh, the recorder we use beeswax to uh, hold that together um, so hmm. everything goes into the factor of acoustic recording it's a little more easier done with a microphone though but i was really hoping at some point i could record al again i don't know when he's going to go on tour but at now, I'm not. I don't know if he'd be interested uh, in recording again. But I di- I Al is such a great guy. I definitely want to get into one of those. Get one of those VIP packages where I can go backstage and I can just say hi to him and you know get his autograph and picture again. I'd love to meet him. Again. I would definitely yeah. love to meet him again. Um, I tried to get him to do it again in 2019 when he was doing his Strings Attached tour. And that was just such a hard thing for his manager to coordinate. I don't know how he did it, but you have all these orchestras in different places where you had to, yeah, he had to make arrangements. And um, th- that must've been a very, very difficult thing to pull off. Plus he, he resumed his costume changes, which took a lot in his rehearsal. And so uh, his manager said, no, we, we've actually got too much going on, you know, with all these musicians coming in with each and every performances and, having to rehearse with a new orchestra every day so uh uh, we couldn't do it in 2019 um and then covid came along and that pretty much put uh uh this whole cylinder recording for me temporarily out of business it was really hard for me to find talent even a year or two before all this happened it's it's almost it's going to be almost impossible now with all this covid stuff going around so Most of my work nowadays has been involved in researching and writing stuff, and I kind of just put all the cylinder recording on hold. But I'm hoping that someday um, we can do it again. And not only with some of my new and improved testing equipment that I have actually done, I'm confident I can get a better one. But I'd also like to see him actually play and sing directly into the horn, because that's that's how they did in the old days. I'm hoping Al would be willing to do so someday. But yeah. he was one of the few people, and the thing amazing about Al is he was one of the few people that actually took a strong interest in this. As when he first learned about it, he was like, "Oh wow, hey, this is amazing. Let's let's do it." And not varying not knowing very much about who I was. I mean, I gave a little bit of background about myself and told him, "Hey, I knew Doctor Demento," and uh, and and uh, we just made it happen. And it was, I would say that recording Al up to this point was. Was absolutely one of the greatest pleasures and one of the most thrilling experiences I've uh, I've ever lived through. <laughs> I can imagine.
1: <laughs> Ryan, I'm really happy to hear that you had a great experience, and I do really appreciate you sharing that clip with us. As a Weird Al collector, as somebody who's heard pretty much every Weird Al song, I've never heard anything like that before. It is it is music to my ears. And it's also great that you yourself are on a recording with Weird Al. Did that ever cross your mind? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah oh,
3: I, I would have never dreamed. I would have never dreamed. I actually get to tell people I made a record with Weird Al. How about that?
0: <laughs> now, Ryan, I'd love to hear more about, you know, your relationship with Dr. Demento. On your YouTube, you have a video of actually recording with Dr. Demento also on Wax Cylinder. What was the story behind that?
3: Well, that, that one came just af- sometime after I had recorded Weird Al. I mean, Dr. Demento and I have been online friends for a few years Um, And I actually never met the guy in person ever until the day that I made that. Um, But we had corresponded by both email as well as as on Facebook. And we had a common interest in uh, the very early recording comedians. That includes Billy Murray and a couple of the other pioneers like Cal Stewart and uh, Billy Jones and Ernie Hare. We had a lot of... We actually had quite a few things in common. But he's always been a fan of the later comedic material, especially stuff recorded both electrically as well as in stereo. Cause it's just so much, you know, easier to listen to. Um, but he did yeah. issue an LP, not just a few months ago, uh, of 20 for, uh, 20th century dementia, which is absolutely amazing. I recommend it. It's a, it's, it's a long overdue yeah. album of the greatest comedy recordings that Dr. Demento selected himself of the acoustic era. So, yeah. um, so this, a meeting with Dr. Demento occurred um, a few months after Weird Al, and I asked, hey, I heard you're coming over to Philadelphia to you know, sign autographs on Record Store Day and to promote your Covered in Punk album. Would you be willing to meet up at some point earlier in the day and try cylinder recording? And uh, he was like, sure. I mean, he didn't even hesitate for a second. <laughs> it's like, sure, he'd be, he'd be more than willing to. And I just said, hey, you can just do whatever you want. It's about two minutes in length. Just uh, uh, feel free to uh, record anything you want. So he came up with his own monologue, which I know he had to think of a little and revise a little over. And uh, we actually met uh, in the hotel he was staying at. They actually let me borrow a room for a day. They actually let me borrow a room for a day and I set up my recorder there and we met in a hotel room. I had my uh, person who did does my video right there. He was videoing me and somebody who was also working on a story about me was also uh, sitting there kind of taking notes, seeing how the process went. And so, there we, cool. yeah, so we, had, we had a little audience of myself and uh, my photographer and uh, a fellow journalist. And we were watching uh, Dr. Demento cut a cylinder live right there. Uh, Right there in our little hotel room. Wow. (laughs) I tell Dr. Demento, it kind of reminded me of the old days of uh, the Petrillo recording band, which occurred just after the start of uh, World War II. This occurred in 1942 when musicians went on strike and they couldn't make phonograph records. So what they did was some musicians held sneak sessions in hotel rooms. And when they got together... They made a few records without letting the union know about it. And then when it was all over, they were paid in cash and no names were given. They just, uh, whatever appeared on a label would just be an alias. No, uh, only cash was given out and uh, no questions asked. That kind of, It's kind of what it kind of reminded me of, being uh, recording right yeah. there in a the hotel room. <laughs> but uh, I think with the, the idea of being able to record Weird Al as well as Dr. Demento, I'm kind of... Uh, working up uh, uh, not only my repertoire, but my reputation here, and hopefully some new talent will follow uh, at some point. Absolutely.
0: For Dave and I, obviously, Al would be our dream. Was Al your dream get, or
3: is there someone out there that you would love to also record with? Well, there's many people I like to uh, get, but Al, for me, musically, he was the cream of the crop. I mean, he's been around for so many years. Uh, and he's outlasted many of the musicians. Um, Who would I like to record? Um, To be honest with you, well, not to get political, but a couple past presents I wouldn't mind doing. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, and a few other musicians and uh, some comedians. I'm afraid to... I'm a little bit afraid to name names here because I don't want to embarrass them when they later listen to this and say, no, I don't want to do that. (laughs) A couple of them actually have said no... uh, no, I'm not, I wouldn't be interested in that. I'm not going to name names, but uh, uh, most, most people actually either don't answer or a couple, a few have said, no, we're not able to do this, but I don't, I don't want to call them out yeah. on this. Um, there are a couple others I, I would like to at least, you know, make get a few spoken words from as a cylinder yeah. souvenir. Almost like a little signature on wax. Instead of autographing it, you're speaking directly into the diaphragm and making your voice vibrate directly onto the record there. That's something pretty darn unique, if you ask me. Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a unique experience. I would love to experience that someday. So, Ryan, let me ask you, have you ever taken a digital file and transferred that to wax cylinder? You know, there.
3: I know at least one person that can do that. You can take a digital file... And you can record it electrically or digitally directly onto a wax cylinder so that, you know, it's a direct recording of it. Um, But I personally don't have the equipment to do that. The only way I could do that would be to just uh, play a digital file on speakers and just record it acoustically as it's coming out of the speakers, which actually is the equivalent of a dubbing.
1: Uh, Okay, yeah. But there,
3: there are ways to to do it but um i only one of i only know of one person who can do that okay i was just asking for selfish reasons i was just wondering what it would
1: take to get the official dave and ethan's 2000 inch weird al podcast theme song onto wax cylinder
3: <laughs> i would probably have to do it by speakers i would have to do it by yeah. speakers and have the horn right up to it oh that'd be cool
1: all right, It's only about thirty seconds long, so you could definitely fit it on your <laughs> on your wax
3: cylinder,
0: if you ever ever inclined
1: to try it. If you send me the
3: file, I'll try it out. <laughs> That'd be amazing.
0: Now, Ryan, uh, we haven't really even touched on some of your you know amazing careers as a, as a writer. Tell us about being nominated for a Grammy
3: Award. <laughs> uh, well, it was. I, I would have never dreamed of a million years that anything that I w- I did would get recognition as a youngster when i was in both elementary and middle and even into high school i was the one that always sat out on award ceremonies i was never considered i was i never went up there there were usually just one or two students that would that would go up there they'd get straight a's and they'd get all the awards and i usually just went home empty-handed um but no it's it's it was amazing and i owe it both to the company that i uh, wrote my notes for as well as their um, absolutely wonderful editorial uh, and their suggestions for great storytelling as well that helped me get there. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, for me, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, but even to this day, I'm still trying. I'm going to get there again. Yeah. I'm going to get nominated again. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. <laughs> I'm determined to go back. After I've been there once, I want to go back. Well, that'd
0: be awesome. So so you were nominated for Best Album Notes for Songs of the Night Dance Recordings, 1916 to 1925. Man, you should put out an entire Weird Al album of wax recordings, and that will get you the next
3: Grammy, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing. I I do wonder if there'd be interest in a book. I mean, I couldn't write a book just on my experiences and trying to get people to make a wax cylinder recording with me. Just the experience of trying to reach <laughs> out to them, um, let alone actually yeah. getting them to do it. Um, but uh, no, I, I have a lot of projects here. I have CD projects. And right now I'm just, ever since COVID um, pretty much ended my cylinder recording career, I've just been basically confined into the computer and I've got this big book project I'm working on. It's uh, That I'm hoping to complete either next year or the year after that. Um, it's another it's a more biographical, detailed story of an artist who actually lived throughout the, the acoustic recording era as among the most popular uh, singers out there and everything uh, that was going on and everything that followed just right after him. But I'm not going to give too many details at, at this early stage, but I've been working on it for, way, if you ask me, way too long. I mean, I've been at this thing for almost <laughs> almost 13 years now, but I'm at the at this point, I'm in a new decade. I'm say, you know what? I'm gonna get this thing out there at some point. So <laughs> that's what I'm confined to nowadays is just researching and writing. That's very cool.
0: Now I saw another connection you had to Weird Al. You know, on this podcast, we're very familiar with Weird Al's appearance on the Joe Franklin show, where he wrote the Joe Franklin song. And what is your connection with Joe Franklin?
3: I knew the name of Joe Franklin just from uh, hearsay here and there about that he had a long career and that uh, he actually met some of the old early acoustic recording artists when they were still living And This was back in the 40s and 50s. I mean, this is how far back wow. Joe Franklin's career goes. He started yeah. on radio and he started doing all these interviews and he interviewed all these celebrities, many of whom are long dead now. Um but I actually met Joe Franklin uh, back in 2009. I tape interviewed him because I wanted to preserve his stories about some of the early acoustic recording artists that he had met uh, before all those old guys had passed away. Uh, I did two interviews with him, actually. I did one in 2009. I did another one. I did another taped interview with him a couple years later. I haven't released him. I haven't re- released it yet, but it was about some other um, of his... Uh, meetings with other artists as well as some of the old songwriters of the teens in the 20s that he had met uh, and wow. he's just basically covered he said he basically covered the whole gamut of the entertainment starting back in the 40s and going all the way up uh, to early just earlier this century with uh, Taylor Swift and even when I was in his office uh, Lady Gaga's manager actually called him by phone Well, I was happen, well I happened to be sitting right there uh, interviewing him. <laughs> I mean, this is how far, this is how much uh, this guy's career spanned. And it's so sad because few people know, even know who he is because he was only on local television. But he had one of the longest running interview in television and radio shows uh, in broadcast history. But it's amazing how much he had actually covered in his long career. Now included. Yeah, it's amazing. Ryan, I already gave you one challenge
1: uh, about seeing if you could reproduce our theme song onto Wax Cylinder. Well, and I have another challenge for you. And I know you said that you think that the uh, longest length recording of Wax Cylinder is somewhere around four minutes, a little bit over four minutes. Well, Weird Al has a song which is about 11 and a half minutes long called Albuquerque. <laughs> so I'm giving you a challenge to try to figure out a way to get an 11 and a half minute recording of Albuquerque onto a
3: wax cylinder. <laughs> well, you know, let's say, for example, then opera ran really long. Um, the labels at the time would do them in parts. They would do like part of the first act and then they'd go to another act on a second record. And it's the same thing they would, they would sometimes do on cylinders. Like if uh, there was a series of, say, a show, they would do, you know, part one on one record and part two on another record. So uh, Albuquerque would probably take up, let's see, if we, let's say an average of two minutes per. It would probably take up at least five cylinders, I would guess. Maybe a six, (laughs) maybe a six one. (laughs) Maybe a six one yeah. just to be safe.
1: <laughs> It'd be a great release to put out a six Wax Cylinder set of Weird Al's Albuquerque song. That would be a great <laughs> bestseller. It'd be great right up there with his squeeze box uh, accordion box set. It would be
0: like right, ne- right next to that on my <laughs> shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did they ever put out full
3: albums on Wax Cylinder? Full albums, no. I mean, sometimes I'd, in some cases where if they were doing... Like a light opera selection, they would put out, you know, uh, Pirates of Penzance airs number one or Mikado airs number one or something similar to that. I think they did the HMS Pinafore airs on four cylinders back in uh, the four minute days. They did a set of four, of though. So they would do, do them in different parts part one, part two. And they, they would sold, they, 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 you could buy them individually or you can buy them all as a set. Which also ran your bill up pretty high too. Right, right. <laughs> but album wise, no, not really. Except sometimes they would uh, sell cylinders and maybe one or uh, in two or three parts. Interesting. As close as maybe as it was to a cylinder album as you would get in those days.
1: Yeah. Now, what was the very first? wax cylinder the recording
3: the earliest recording that we are aware of would of course would have been mary had a little lamb which thomas edison would have done on tinfoil and you would only be able to play that once and then discard it and the original copy of mary had a little lamb on tinfoil isn't with us anymore and then the very ah. earliest the very ah. earliest commercial cylinders were talking doll cylinders made in the late uh, 1880s. Those were among the very first cylinders oh. to be sold on the market. Wow. They went with Edison Talking Dolls. They are very rare today because the sales were a disaster because the dolls themselves were a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> very short-lived. Wow. That's wow. So interesting. And around that same time, there have been early tests and experiments with recording on wax. Uh, Bell Tainter did... Wax recording, kind of using um, a—I a, uh, think it was a, car- a cardboard core that was used as part of it—and then Edison perfected it with a cylinder made of solid wax. But what was the first one? You, you, that's that's not really possible to answer because it could have been anything.
1: Okay, yeah. Hm. Very interesting. I mean, obviously now, you know, we we can record things very easily digital. You know, uh, you can go to any online store and you can pick up CDs, you know, and you can pick up even, you know, cassettes or vinyl. But what are the advantages to actually recording something on wax cylinder when there's so many other options available today?
3: Let's just say I don't do this to bring something back, but I... Do it also as a learning experience. And I think if there's anything unique about recording on a wax cylinder, it's because it was done live, right there with the artist in person, uh, singing directly into the diaphragm that vibrated the cutting stylus right there directly onto the record. Whereas everything you see in the store um, is just basically mass transferred, uh, mass reproduced and uh, duplicated. Um, and even on LPS you know it's, it's the LPS it the, even those were dubs. even those are dubbings. they were dubbed from tapes, tape masters uh, which and then they were mastered onto uh, uh, vinyl records. But with the, with a cylinder, you get the original. You get the original performance unique performance right there right. Wow, that's about the only advantage I have uh, that I could think of. (laughs) Now, sound quality-wise, it has it has a lot to be desired, but it's it's the (laughs) earliest way people would be
0: able to hear their
1: music. So these wax cylinders, they weren't really then mass-produced. If you had to basically record each one, you couldn't just, or could you take one recording and then duplicate it over multiple wax cylinders and then sell them?
3: Well, in the very very earliest days, in the early eighteen nineties, you could. You you only were able to do it one at a time. You could only do it one at a time until they developed something called a pantographic process. And they would play the cylinder there and dub it onto another cylinder. And of course, you'd be losing a lot of the quality right there as you were dubbing it onto another one. And then they came up with the mold process where they took the original master and they duplicated it through electroplating and they would mold the cylinder uh, right there into the mold. And they were able to make duplicates of them. So it was unnecessary to record each and every one of them at a time. I think there's at least one company out there in the United Kingdom that actually does this. They, they can take a wow. wax cylinder master and they can duplicate it on something like a, a celluloid cylinder, which is not wax, but it's a harder surface that, that if you dropped it, it wouldn't break. So it, And they can actually mold your original And then make duplicates of them.
0: Wow. How cool. Wow.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yeah, eventually they did come up with a way to duplicate cylinders in in mass units. But in the very early days, some of the earliest singers, they would have 10 phonographs in front of them at once. They had 10 phonographs in front of them at once and they would all put new blanks on. They would cut the cylinder right there. They would then remove the finished cylinders, put 10 more on, and then the singer would basically repeat the same song 50 times. And they would come up with dozens upon dozens of cylinders to be able to put on sale that day, either for home use or for use in uh, coin in the slot machines in the arcades.
0: Wow. wow. <laughs> That's incredible to consider, you know. <laughs> there would be so many different, you know, versions of the same song technically. Mm-hmm.
1: Ryan, we do know that there is only one recording of Mr. Frump in the Iron Lung on Wax Cylinder. And you must have that preserved. You know, I, I, I want you to tell us how you have that preserved and what you're doing to make sure that nothing happens that doesn't get mold. You know, it's preserved forever until it takes its eventual spot in either the Library of Congress or the Smithsonian where it totally belongs.
3: <laughs> I can tell you it is in a safe place right now. I've played it only once or twice to have it uh, um, electrically transferred. I'm not going to disclose the location of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably wise with our listeners. Yes. But
3: um, it, 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 it it's in a drawer. I've got it stored in a drawer. It's in a climate-controlled room uh, with no humidity, and I make sure that no water moisture in it, and even now and then. I keep it in a drawer with some other things and now and then if I have the drawer open I'll check on it and make sure you know nothing is no, no fungus or any mold is growing on it. <laughs> it is labeled so if anything were to happen to me and they start going through my belongings they'll see it and they'll they'll they know what it is. I don't know maybe when I'm done with it I'll donate it to a Bermuda Schwartz archive or maybe I'll send it to UCSB which has one of the largest cylinder archives in the world and they have a website where they have everything transferred, and they have some very rare cylinders on there. So cool. Um, that is two places I have in mind. It's actually right next to Doctor Demento's cylinder too. And I have nice. one or two other semi-celebrity recordings I have made besides wear down Doctor D. So I have those kept next to him, and they're all labeled, and uh, they're all in a climate-controlled environment with no moisture or any humidity. So. Um, as long as they stored, you know, just like that, there, there shouldn't be any issues.
1: Well, thank you very much. As a Weird Al collector and Weird Al historian, both Ethan and myself are thrilled to hear that this wax cylinder is being taken <laughs> properly cared of.
3: It, it is my honor. <laughs> and thank you, Al, for letting me to record you. And hopefully we can meet again sometime. I hope you'd be willing to do it again if you're listening. Thank you so much, Al. It's such a pleasure meeting you. It was a joy of a lifetime. Well, Ryan, we we really want to thank you for joining us uh, today on the podcast.
0: For more information, we can check out your website, phonostalgia.com, and we can find some other information on Twitter via Real Ryan Barna. And this was just really a treat getting to hear that recording. So we really
3: appreciate you sharing that with us and our audience. Well, thank you. It, it's my pleasure uh, to be with you today.
1: Thank you, Ryan, not only for joining us, but for sharing that coveted, amazing track with us.
0: I remember when Al
3: first posted
0: about that on Twitter, like he mentioned in the interview, and I have just wanted to hear that so bad. So I'm really glad we were able to not only hear it, but share it with all of our listeners. Now, be sure to check out Ryan's website at phonostalgia.com. That's P H O N O. S-T-A-L-G-I-A dot com.
1: Well, hopefully Ryan gets a chance to record again with Weird Al.
0: I wonder what song he would choose this time. Well, if I had any say in it, I would recommend that they do Since You've Been Gone, because that, of course, is acapella. It's under two minutes long. And I think that would be pretty stinking majestic to hear on a wax cylinder. Well, my vote is still for Albuquerque, so (laughs) either one would be perfectly fine. Each week, we're able to bring you this podcast absolutely free thanks to sponsors like Burrito Burrito, Angel Valenzuela, and his son David Cash, Discover Darwin, Jackson Scoggins, and our amazing close personal friend Patreon supporters Zeb, Blair, Allison, Javier, Kenneth, and Jared our supporters Dave and Vicky, and everyone else in our Patreon family.
1: Revenue from our incredible supporters on Patreon.com slash 2000 inch allows us to continue doing what we love, which is making fantastically fun, funny, and family-friendly Weird Al podcasts for you each and every week. We'd absolutely appreciate your consideration in joining our pretty stinking
0: majestic Patreon family for as little as $1 per month. Are you looking for another way to support the podcast? Well, you are in luck. You can head over to shop.2000inch.com for official Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast merchandise, including t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, tank tops, face masks, pillows, and so much more. Find us online at
1: weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com where you can find information about all of our guests and listen to past episodes like episode 73-inch where we not only talk to director Dror Soraf, but Summer Woods pops in to talk about her first Weird Al piano medley please join our Facebook group by heading to group.2000inch.com for episode discussions and other exclusive content and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at 2000inch and also at youtube.2000inch.com. Be sure to share our posts and tell your friends
0: to gill and chill. I'm sure you guys can guess it, but we love it when you leave us voicemail via our 27 hour a day podcast hotline, three, four, seven spatula. You might even hear your message on the air and you can catch our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. Whichever you choose, be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes like the new episodes that drop every Wednesday.
1: We will soon begin airing our series of bonus episodes where we sit down with John Bermuda Schwartz and go page by page, picture by picture, inch by inch, MC by MC, through his book, Black and White and Weird All Over. Time is running out for you to grab the book if you want to be able to follow along with these episodes.
0: Plus, it's a great gift to give someone for the upcoming full moon. Thank you once again to Ryan Barna, Dana B., Jackson Scoggins, our mailpersons, Jim Kimo West for our incredible theme song, and thanks to all of our listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who made this episode and podcast possible. Now
1: that the formerly vacant February 14th is forever known as Valentine's Day, we should really focus on what sort of candies they can sell for this holiday
0: well of course jelly bean and pickle sandwich flavored jelly beans oh and life is like a box of chocolates boxes of chocolate absolutely
1: and those little candy hearts could say things like eat it want to be your lover bite me cavity search That was Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast, episode 94 inch. The podcast recorded on Edison wax cylinder.
3: I'm not going to disclose the location of it, but um, it 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 it's in a drawer.